Thanks for joining me for this episode of Tangible Remnants. Before we start the show, please get to know a few of our partners that help make this show possible. Small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect Podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best, like the best, best, best. (laughs) So for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today, is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. Some days are easier than others, but there are some times when it's like, even with all of the the degrees, certificates, licenses, even with all the credentials, there are moments where it's still like, oh, do I really belong here? Is this really? Absolutely. Welcome to Tangible Remnants. I'm Nikita Reed, and this is my show where I explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. I'm excited that you're here. So let's get into it. Welcome back. So this week's episode is a replay of episode six, which was Taking Up Space with Rashida Tripp and Morgan C.B. Miles. This is one of the early episodes of the podcast where I got to chat with two of the women who got me through architecture undergrad. Three of us made up 100% of the Black folks in our class, and we've stayed friends for the decades since, uh, which is wild to me that it's been decades. We've been friends ever since and are all at different points in our professional and personal lives. We've stayed friends for over 20 years and are at different points in our professional and personal lives. We talk about our careers, what brought us to architecture, and how we navigate white male spaces as Black women. I've heard from a number of you that this is one of your favorites. So for those of you who are hearing it for the first time, you're in for a treat. Enjoy. Why don't we start at UVA since that is where we met um, and we ended up actually graduating together, getting through the architecture program almost in one piece. But what made you choose UVA? And I guess I'll start with Rashida. Okay. One of my best friends said she was applying like early decision and I was like, okay, I'll apply too. And then, you know, on our college tours, I went to like tech. I hated it. And then when I went to UVA, I just got a totally different vibe. And I love the people. I love the campus or grounds. 
And I love, I think, just the program, the way they had it laid out for us. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was close enough to home that I could get home if I needed to, but it was also far enough away that I knew my mom and sisters weren't going to pop up. Right. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think that was like why I chose it. Gotcha. And Morgan, what about you? Um, Rishita, when you were like, I honestly don't know. I was like, wow, yeah, you are taking us way back. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so I think I wanted to go to UVA. I was kind of trying to decide whether I wanted to do architecture or mathematics at that point. I had applied to like seven different schools. Some programs were I was going to major in mathematics and others architecture. I, growing up in New Jersey, I kind of wanted to be further from home, but not where it's my parents have to take the plane. But I think just, I mean, it's, it's an amazing school, great reputation. And I think it was a good balance. Like some of the schools I had applied to were really focused on like academics, which it's definitely something that was important to me. But as you guys know, I work hard, party hard. And I think UVA had a great balance with like football, like the whole like school spirit. So that makes sense. I didn't realize that you were thinking about majoring in mathematics, but that makes perfect sense. Considering I go to Spelman, I got into a NASA three-year um, internship with NASA. Huh. Um, so I was like, now I can't add in my head because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> with the calculator and the phone. But right. so anyway. wild. All right. Cause I, I remember you used to take like uh higher level math courses for electives and I'd be like, but why? Oh, I, yeah, we were like, like, why are you taking the complex exactly. That makes no sense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Got it. Math. All right, cool. All right. So then now I know that I was thinking about um I was thinking about Columbia and that's where I wanted to go, but then my mom was like, Oh, you know, you'll get homesick and all these things. And then she basically was like, Okay, but also UVA is cheaper. And that in-state tuition is where I need you to <laughs> go to. Uh, so I always knew that I was going to do architecture because I just kind of always had a thing for existing buildings. But I guess, when did you two know that you wanted to go into architecture? I'll start with Morgan, I guess. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I went in and then went out. Um, <laughs> so it was one of those things that, like, I was thinking about what did I do as a child that I really enjoyed? And I always played with Legos, like more than anything. And then like building blocks. And then uh, when my parents have like the big refrigerator boxes, I made like a house out of it. And I think Rashida, I, I feel like you might've done that too. And yeah, when I, I heard that, that you did that, I was like, <laughs> and so I think it was the combination of mathematics and, and then my art. I took a lot of art, IB, AP, studio art in, in high school. And so it just was a great mixture of, of the two, but I think that I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but you both have a true passion for design. I have a true passion for seeing design, not necessarily doing it. So yeah. hence why I'm <laughs> not exactly an architect at this point. <laughs> gotcha. Makes sense. She do what about you? So my like from an early age I lived in a house that actually made my family sick so I always thought that like this wasn't fair this shouldn't be how people lived and so I started to like design spaces of where I wanted to live 
Mm-hmm. And then I used to go to like a after school program and the woman that ran the program told me like, you can be an architect. And like from that point on, like second, third grade, I was like, okay, I'll be an architect. So I don't know what else I would have done because mm-hmm. it's been ingrained in me since like eight, nine years old. Did you know any architects or any black architects growing up? No, not at all. And I honestly were there any black architects? <laughs> there were, but yeah, it's, there were, but right. probably way fewer. I mean, than there are now. I mean, mm-hmm. well, most of that definitely. I right. didn't know of any, and honestly, I did not know exactly what architecture was until mm-hmm. I got to UVA. Yeah, and this is probably something we could touch on a little bit later. But there was definitely a difference between my like personal story. And then other people who were in the A school who had like been to architecture summer camps and their parents were architects and right. like that just like completely went over my head that that was even a thing that people did. Agreed. So that was also kind of like a like culture shock that like other people knew about this profession and had experience in it. And this right. was like my first time being exposed to it for the most part. Yeah, I think the I remember there was one time I think Morgan, I guess. I, I don't know if like through your dad, we connected Marshall Purnell to UVA, but I remember Marshall Purnell coming to UVA and like you knowing him. And I was like, wait, what? There's this black architect who's mm-hmm. been around doing things in DC. And as, I remember that blowing my mind because <laughs> I just yeah. kind of made the connection that there were black architects in DC. And I don't know why I didn't make that connection, but it just, it wasn't a, I don't know. We just hadn't really I mean, seen. it could have been because we were like three black architects students in our program. That's yeah. true. And so you think like the world is the same way. Like there's only right. three of us. There can't be more than three out real black architects <laughs> in the world right. at this point in life. Right. Well, one thing um, that, that you were saying, Rashida, and I just thought about this. So I found out years later after I we had gone to UVA, but my dad, he went to Hampton for undergrad and he at, at the very beginning wanted to be an architect. Um, but he couldn't afford like the entry fee or like to get into the program or the supply, something where he ended up not doing it. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting you bring up that point because like a lot of real estate companies are like family owned and like kids at like age two, they're working on a construction site and they're exposed yeah. to it. And it's unfortunate for us where it's just like we don't see people like us or we're not exposed to it automatically yeah so it's just it's interesting right yeah the people who have parents who are architects who have, <laughs> so i was like oh wow that's so you got to like be in the room and see things and like know a little bit more definitely felt like, like a little bit of a leg up let yeah leg up like privilege mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the privilege that. of it right it's exactly. crazy you say that when i went to archex last mm-hmm. year and one of the like staff, like the facility staff, he stopped me and he was like, are you an architect? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm just so proud of you. Oh, and I'm like, what? <laughs> he was like, he wanted to be an architect. He couldn't afford it. He still has his drafting board. He still wants to do it. But like at his age, he's like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, he was just so proud of me. And he said there were a couple other that, other architects that he had seen like in the conference. And like, you don't really like to us, it's just like what we do. Right. But you don't know the impact, like even just this random guy seeing us has. Right. Um, And like my little friend group, I, all my 
kids' friends know that I'm an architect and like I'll send them pictures of my projects. Oh. So like that exposure yes. is Better so early. huge. Yes. And it's one of those things where it's the, I mean, I know I get excited when I, even currently, when I see a Black architect, particularly when I don't know, like out and about. <laughs> at a yes. So yeah. That's amazing. That's like even someone not in the field saw the, I guess, the specialness of that. Because there's really not many of us. And it, I didn't no. realize how our numbers were so low, particularly for Black women architects. Like um, 478 or something yeah, like that? It's like less than 500 of the yeah. 100 thousand plus and that kind of just blew my mind but then again it's also that there there weren't that many black females in my programs I mean yeah there were three of us and then even when I went to Penn there were another three but it's just the numbers just haven't been there and I still even I guess there was one time on a bus I got a random random dude sitting next to me was like oh you're an architect or you're trying to be an architect isn't that a weird profession for a woman and I was like wait what I'm sorry I'm like <laughs> What year is what year this? Was that? <laughs> right, exactly. I was like, this was well into the 21st century. Come on now. But yeah. then on the flip side of that is then when I'm in a white space with other architects who are like, oh, you're an architect, but are you licensed? Because you know, you can't say you're an architect if you're not licensed. And it's oh like, I am licensed, which is why I said I'm an architect. So it's like, it's that duality of having yeah. to like prove yourself to the white architects who want to make sure yeah. that you're like fitting in but it's just frustrating it's so frustrating yeah. it's so frustrating and like I feel like I'm constantly proving myself every time uh -huh. I walk into a room yeah. and then they'll ask me what school I went to and I'll say yep. UVA and watch you and they're like oh good for you and I can't say like the exact words almost everybody says is good mm -hmm. for you and like yeah. this mm -hmm. look of shock on their face mm -hmm. right and I'm just like when will this stop right yeah. exactly and even just yeah. the the expectation, oh, you went to a predominantly white school. Oh, and you, right. you graduated. Oh, and you were, oh, you were good enough to be there. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. well, good. Yeah, that, uh, that shock is really irritating. Morgan, yeah. I can only imagine what it's like in the development side. How does well, that play out? It's interesting you say that. So I try to limit that. So if I know I'm going to meet with someone, I'll like LinkedIn request them. I'm like, mm -hmm. Get the shock out. Like you look at my credentials, all of that. Get like, oh, she's black. Get that mm -hmm. out of your system. So then when you see me, I don't need to deal with that. Like, <gasps> or yeah. like, okay, like you can sit That's in the actually corner. a really great idea. Like right. literally, I'm, I'm like, start okay, doing that. take your time. Like process that I'm black and right. what I've done and yeah. how old I am. Get it out of your system. And then let's meet. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's Mess really it down to business. Yeah. Because I had, so when I was running a small business, I had to, f I guess, flip it so that I could actually take some sort of joy out of that gas whenever people were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. And like they, they then when they try to catch themselves because I didn't realize that I was black <laughs> or the, however old I was, then it's the, yep, okay, can we move on now? Are you, you got yeah. it? You're good. Like it's that frustration of being like, I can exist. And yes, yeah. we are smart. And it's, it's the worst. It's like, oh, well, you were just, so so articulate on the phone. I really that's why you're going up with this. <laughs> but, but even on the flip side, where we have to prove ourselves, and I feel like it's continuous. At, it's always continuous. It, it, like it, yeah, it's not just when you first meet them, but then there are so many people that I see, like white men that go into a meeting. They basically are starting at like top of their game. Everyone loves them. All that like they have to screw up. For them right. to like think less of them and right. so it's just yeah. it's really interesting where it's like 
we start at like a C or even like a C minus and like they're like A and it's like we're like trying to just trying to get above like a B minus like from like it's 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 more stressful and just crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy how much also things have changed, but they still stay the same a little bit. I'm thinking about I guess it was our fourth year when all of the the hate crimes and all that stuff happened at UVA and we ended up leading that little march from the A school yeah. to the line for social justice. Yeah. And, yeah. It's crazy that, you know, 20 or I guess almost 20 years later, it's still still an issue. But then <laughs> even I was really excited to see that UVA did a memorial to the enslaved laborers because I remember how many people we're surprised when it's when even just a statement that EVA was built by slaves and there's like a uh-uh no like it's like wait yes <laughs> it was like about America like right exactly exactly <laughs> so it's like the fact that there's even this memorial there it it warms my heart but it's also like oh, still turn your architectural designs into stunning immersive experiences with Enscape. This innovative tool integrates seamlessly with your design software to bring your ideas to life in real-time 3D and VR. With Enscape, you will experience instant rendering, have the ability to make design changes on the fly, and present your projects in stunning detail. Ideal for architects, designers, and anyone passionate about visual storytelling and architecture, dive into a new era of design visualization with Enscape. Visit Enscape3D.com to learn more. That's E-N-S-C-A-P-E, the number three, D.com. Are you NCARB certified yet? Join the network of over 45,000 architects who have the NCARB certificate and expand your professional reach. By becoming NCARB certified, you are demonstrating that you've met the national standards for licensure. That's sometimes a qualification that can be an important factor for firms when hiring and promoting. Certificate holders have a streamlined path to apply for a reciprocal license in all 55 U.S. jurisdictions, as well as access to an extensive library of free continuing education courses. Learn more at ncarb.org. That's ncarb.org. So then now that we're uh, grown women, which is wild that we've been friends for this long, which is amazing. And that we're like grown people. <laughs> and you guys still like me. Right? Like, and you like, me too. Yeah. I, like I love the fact yeah. that we do this. <laughs> so why don't we get back to like the, the career path then? So Morgan, when did you know that you wanted to go into development? Huh. So I worked at an architectural firm going into my fourth year. And I pretty much did like window details and AutoCAD the whole mm. summer. And I was like, wow, this isn't exactly what I had in mind. And like, I'm a very outgoing, like I, I wanted, I wanted more of a relationship based more than just sitting at a computer. It felt like, at least at the beginning with architecture, I, I wasn't utilizing my strengths and my interests. And I ended up, it was my fourth year during the winter working at Harley Davidson. It was like an externship and I worked, they had a museum that was opening up in 2008. And so I was working with their like in-house, it was like a week or two, not like anything major, but I had the opportunity to 
be at the table with architects, but kind of t- like manage it from a, a different standpoint. Oh, I, I like this because like <laughs> I know enough about architecture and I have the foundation and I know I know what I'm asking of my architect. And so I think that it, I wouldn't trade it for the world and definitely helped with my work ethic. But like I, I wasn't as passionate with doing the design itself. So then I ended up working at Archon Group after undergrad. Makes sense. And then Sheeta, so when you were deciding to go back to grad school, I guess when did you decide that you wanted to be licensed and can keep going with architecture? So I intentionally took a break to work for three years after undergrad to make sure that I wanted to do this and to make sure that I wanted to go to grad school. Well, the first year I did um, AmeriCorps for a year, which is kind of like the U.S.-based Peace Corps kind of sort of. Um, and I worked for a nonprofit that I volunteered with in undergrad. And one of my many duties was to help renovate this house for um, men who are returning to the community from jail. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped to start to solidify it. And then I worked for um, a firm in Norfolk for a couple years. And it's interesting, Morgan, when you said that like you were stuck on like door details. Like I was doing almost window. everything. <laughs> oh, window <laughs> details. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't um, know door details at that time. <laughs> I was doing almost everything. And I had really great mentors within the studio I was in to like show me how to do things, how to do it correctly. Um, they were really patient with me and kind of guided me through the whole process. And then I decided to go back to grad school after my three-year this is it cut off which actually worked out pretty well because it also coincided with the recession gotcha so i went back to grad school and washington university of st louis gotcha that makes sense i ended up working and living at home for a year after undergrad and i thought i was going to take a longer time but then my mom was like so listen come next fall you gotta be <laughs> out of this house or in grad school. And I was like, mm, grad school's looking real good. <laughs> she got tired of me uh, being there, I guess. But yeah, I think it's the mentors made a big difference. And I think in all of our lives, we can kind of point to the people who helped us along the way. So then as we've been, I guess now that we're, I guess, I, would this be mid-career? Is that, are we there yet? Yeah, I don't know. Like, we're mid-career, which is crazy. But we're, yeah. se- we're senior level. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> for you, Morgan. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's actually technically eight years plus in senior level. Really? Yes. That doesn't even Look sound that right. Up. Right? It, it no, it's the truth. Huh. Now, I, that might not be in the in our industry, but that's across the board. <laughs> we're we're beginning senior. Okay. Because then, but it's like eight years seems like such a little bit of time, considering like. Don't careers last like 40 years? So it's like, yeah, I was going to say, fun. most of the people I work with or have worked with have been working for like 30, 40 years. So yeah, right. that They're doesn't seem like... Level. Oh, so that's what comes after oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking senior was was the end. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Own it. Own it. All right. Fair. <laughs> so then I guess with all of the being Black in professions that are predominantly white, and being female, black female in professions that are predominantly white male, I'm sure has been interesting. What's been some of the things that help you navigate the different spaces that you operate in? Morgan, you want to start? Sure. So I realized over my senior level 
Uh, <laughs> uh, but I realized that company company culture is so important to me. Mm-hmm. I think it should be important to everyone in terms of if you're the right fit. There's certain things that you can always learn within the organization, but uh, the core and your your mission and and values and all of that I think have to be aligned. The companies where I thrive and I really have enjoyed my experiences are the ones where it really is based on merit. It's based on how well you're doing and they give you more opportunities based on you doing well. The good old boys club kind of Mm -hmm. company cultures, I will fail. Well, not fail, but it will be, it's a horrible experience like for me in the sense that it's just like constantly overthinking things. Everything's in my head. I'm like, okay, should I say this? Should I do that? Like, no, like, um, second guessing myself, it it messes with my confidence. So it's just, I realized that some companies are doing the best project in the world and I'd love to be a part of it, but I could not work for that company. So not, I won't even think twice about it. So I think that's been important to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Sheena, what about you? When you're navigating uh, white male spaces as a Black female, are there any things, I guess, any things that you do particularly or any things that you keep in mind as you to get through it? So lately, this is, I think this has come up a lot more lately, more so than before, because I am starting to be more of the face of things. Mm-hmm. And so I have started to question myself a lot more than I had before. But I just tell myself, that I have worked just as hard as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to know that any room that I enter, I'm supposed to be there and I'm supposed to take up space. And so yes. I just keep reiterating that in my yeah. head. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I have it on my little whiteboard every morning. I say the doors that God has opened for me, I'm supposed to enter them and I'm supposed to take up space. So. Damn. Yes, that is. (laughs) That's my mantra for 2020, even though, you know, we haven't really entered doors this year, but (laughs) (laughs) at your house. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, those are great. Because I think that's that's the thing that can be frustrating. And I know Toni Morrison has a quote about the fact like racism's chief job is to keep you distracted so that you're spending yeah. so much more time trying to, you know, educate racist people or as opposed to yes. you know, paraphrasing, I got that totally wrong, but as opposed to like <laughs> doing your work, you know what I mean? And like right. stepping into who you need to be and all that. So I love that mantra. Some days are easier than others, but there are some times when it's like, even with all of the the degrees, certificates, licenses, even with all the credentials, there are moments where it's still like, oh, do I really belong here? Is this really? Absolutely. Oh, the imposter yeah. syndrome is real. It really yeah, is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things where I underestimated how real it was. And kind of just, I remember like, I remember even like who I was at UVA thinking that, okay, well, when I get to be in my 30s, I'm going to have it all figured out. Oh, everything. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> the lives of youth. <laughs> you know what I realized as an adult? is that adults don't know what they're doing. No. And no. so, like... Nobody knows. Nobody no. knows what they're doing. We're all just faking it till we make it. Yep. And some days are better than the others. But exactly. nobody exactly. knows what they're doing. Fake it till you make it or fake it till you become it. True. There yeah. you go. Both. 
both of those. And even like that was something that I also had to embrace when I was networking a lot or, you know, when we could meet people face to face before all this. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, I felt awkward going up and talking to strangers. And then finally it was like, you know what? Everyone feels awkward doing this. Just got to embrace it and have the conversation. Nikita, can I Mm -hmm. say that you told me that? And like now that I'm doing like business development, I keep that in my head. Like everybody is awkward. Oh, good. Just do it. So I channel my Nikita (laughs) and I pretend that I'm you as I'm walking up to random strangers, telling them about my business and what I can do for them. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like being able to like to embrace the awkward is really, it'll take you places because then it's just, you almost become a little bit more intriguing as well because people are like, oh. All right, well, she's comfortable here, so yeah, yes, all right. <laughs> You're more vulnerable, right? Exactly. Yeah, and then my other, uh, my other go-to move whenever I'm talking to someone and like the conversations, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to move on to the next one. I'm like, oh, so who else do you know here? Anyone you'd recommend that I go talk to? <laughs> like, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, like, open Very it up good. and try and like give out because because it's like at, at a certain point of the conversation, you can feel the other person also being like, all right, well. Yeah, I'll find that other drink. I'm uh, like, (laughs) all right. Well, I know we are uh, getting towards the end of our time together for now. So I guess I'm going to pivot a little bit to motherhood, if that's all right, Rashida. Um, I I could give advice too, you know. I don't know that I would take advice (laughs) from anyone who's not a mom. Uh, I'm not either. (laughs) You you never know. Rashida, go right ahead. Then I'll I'll, I'll talk after. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Morgan. My pleasure. What do you? What would you like to know about motherhood, <laughs> Nikita? Oh my gosh! So then, okay. How how did it? How did being a mom impact the way you are an architect, or did it have an impact on kind of your thoughts about architecture, or design, or career, or anything like that? I think the impact has mainly been on just trying to balance motherhood with work. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are now my priority, whereas before I would be okay working 50, 60 hours a week if I needed to for a project. And now it's like, no, my kids come first. I mean, you know, in the midst of COVID, it's been very difficult because they are home all day. So we're, my husband and I are taking turns, basically working half days, getting stuff done and then putting them to bed and working at night. But I think that's also an issue why a lot of women leave the architecture field because it's very, very difficult to be the mother that society says you should be in this field. Even down to like when I was pregnant, going on construction sites, like I wasn't climbing the ladders to get on the roof of my projects. Like I just couldn't. It's not, not technically I could, but I did not feel comfortable um, doing that. So, I mean, fortunately, I am with a company, which is why I've stayed with this company for so long that has been very accommodating to me and my lifestyle and what I need. And they understand that I am a human person first before I am an employee and they kind of emphasize work-life balance. So that has been very, very helpful. And I know that is not the same for a lot of other people. I'm actually on this task force for mid-career architects with AIA Virginia. And one of the other women said she left like private practice to go teach because it gave her a lot more flexibility in raising her children. So like, I think that's one thing. I mean, it's not just women. I think men too have issues, but, you know. And, and single people. <clears throat> and single people, because I, I do think I, especially during this pandemic, I have seen where 
people without kids have been held to a higher standard. They should be getting more things done. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's fair either. Um, Yes. All right. Well, so I, and I, I joked before, but this is actually a serious thing that I think about a lot. And it's not just during the pandemic. It's always because I don't have a family. I don't have a husband. Like Morgan's available. And like it always, and like, I have my, my mom is 73. My dad is 75. Like I have my own health. Thing. Like, so yeah. it's, it's, it's actually very frustrating when people just make the assumption that I'm always available and I'm always there for what have you, because I don't have a, a family. And like yeah. with, during this pandemic, like, yes, like people are like, Oh, I, oh, I have to battle, like I'm dealing with all the different priorities. And, and I'm, I'm not discounting that, but like, being alone in my own apartment for right. 166 days by myself in Tampa, Florida, as a black se- a female, it has its challenges. And so I, I think it, people need to recognize that just because I don't have a family doesn't mean that I want to commit my entire life to my job. Right. And I, I do want to have kids and I, and I'm getting to a point where I'm being more open about it. And people are so surprised that they're like, well, like with all that you've done, like, yes, I want to have a family. And so it's trying to change my mindset, my family's mindset, my, the people at my company where it's just like, yeah, I want my life too. Like right. you yeah, guys exactly. had it for almost 36 years. So you know what? Now it's my turn. Yeah. And it's like, you're allowed to live your life because it's yours. Like it's, you don't. It's your life. Yeah, exactly. And recognizing and something, something I had to learn was that, you know, I'm not required to set myself on fire to keep other people warm. So even though I don't have kids, (laughs) it's like like the, the weight of other people's expectations and the, my vision of my future is what's more important than other people's vision of my future and being able to actually like own that because it's I feel like for so many of us particularly women we're taught to shrink ourselves and please people and you know be a martyr and make sure everyone else is taken care of and we don't matter as much and so it was just kind of recognizing that no we matter we're important yeah. like it's we are worthy and deserving of happiness and all the, all the things <laughs> give us yeah. all the things and, yeah, I, and you could be successful and not be married because like there's, yeah. there's so many people that are just like they'll ask me how I'm doing and they're like Ah, so do you have a boyfriend, like a husband? I'm, I'm like, no, yeah. like my, my children have been my, pro- my buildings. And they're like, well, really? Like, it's almost like it discounted anything that I, I have done because I, I, I haven't gotten married. I was like, you know what? I can find someone in two months and settle and, and get married if that makes you feel any better. Right. <laughs> right. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, it yeah. might be the love of my life. You never know. <laughs> But I get, I get the same thing when people are like, oh, so you've been married for how long? Oh, you don't have kids yet? And it's like, mm, stay out of my ovaries. Thanks. Um, I still tell you. people to stay out of my ovaries because they want me to keep having more. And I'm like, you're not even taking care of the ones that I have. So how do you have any say in what's happening over here? Right. It's like, it's never enough. It's always one more thing. Oh, the whole married? Okay, what about kids? What about more kids? It's like, let me yeah. live the way I want to live. Like, it's I will say, like, having kids, I love my children dearly. Mm-hmm. but I was not prepared and There's... I don't think you're ever prepared, but mm-hmm. like the level of responsibility that you have with mm-hmm. these people, like their whole lives depend on you. And some days I would uh-huh. much rather be working, <laughs> but no, 
<laughs> right. Somebody wants a snack. Dep- or depends on what job. Depends on what job, though. <laughs> You're right. You're right. All right. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you both for jumping on. Um, any <laughs> parting thoughts or anything you want to say before we wrap up here? I will say that I really appreciate having you both in my life and the times when I wanted to jump ship. Yes. You guys saved me. 100%. And I don't think you realized how your friendship has kept me sane since we met in 2002. Yeah. So I just oh want to say thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Like, same. Same 100%. Because I feel like having both of you in my life, I'm able to stay more grounded and able to also talk to you about any and everything when it's like, yeah. am, I, am I bugging yeah. or is this like legit? This is what yeah. I heard. How did, yeah, like sounding boards. Yeah, and y'all have just been amazing. And you're also just amazing women. So yeah, I, I agree, Rashida. Thank you. But it really is important. Like, so I also from business school, I have my group of girlfriends and they're like, I get inspired because their level of like confidence in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one thing I think architecture, you need to realize without architects, we can't do anything. We can't build any buildings. And so it's like a business school. It's like everybody has all the egos and all of that. But we need to kind of have that within the architecture field because we are. It's important to understand your worth and to be around people who are aware of it and support that and are there for you at all levels. Um, But then also it's important to pay it forward as well. I have a number of mentees. The other day I was talking to someone and they were asking me about how my experiences were on LinkedIn when I was in in college. And I was like, "Uh, I don't think LinkedIn existed. (laughs) You really like aged me. Say that to say like, we have a lot to give and, and, there are people, they don't always want to see like the CEO. They kind of want to see like what would be next versus what would be end goal. Right. So like making sure that you're sharing your experiences, both higher up executives, senior people like our <laughs> level and then like entry and mid-level. Yeah, makes sense. So. I'll have to sink, let that sink in that we're like senior level. I'm, okay. I'm serious. I like it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Links to amazing resources can be found in the episode's show notes. Special thanks to Sarah Gilberg for allowing me to use snippets of her song Fireflies from her debut album, Other People's Secrets, which by the way is available wherever music is sold. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show. And now that Tangible Remnants is part of the Gable Media Network, you can listen and subscribe to all network partner content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Until next time, remember that historic preservation is a present conversation with our past about our future. We don't inherit the earth from our parents, but we borrow it from our children. So let's make sure we're telling our inclusive history. I saw the first fireflies of summer And right then I thought of you I could see us catching them and setting them free Honey, that's what you do That's what you do to me Hey, designers and curious minds! Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? 
I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if, if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers, if you like. <laughs> the official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tales behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today.